Welcome to Pregnancy Health Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and this is another episode in our series on the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case. We're going to be talking about the impact that this case will have on pregnancy centers. So our speakers are Betty McDowell, Vice President of Ministry Services here at Heartbeat International, and also Beth Demert, our Director of Affiliate Services. So with that, let's get started on our discussion. Hey, thanks so much, Christine. And Beth, it's really cool. I don't know that we've really had a chance to do a podcast together, so. I don't think so. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to this. we have it today, yeah. So really, we're letting folks just kind of listen in on a conversation that um, you and I are going to have about post-Roe world. And so right now, lots of talk about the Dobbs case and what might happen, what could happen. And in that case, uh, there'll be other podcasts where you're going to actually be able to hear more of the details about that case. But kind of in a nutshell, um, in the Dobbs case, um, going to the Supreme Court, we could be in a situation, um, if the courts in our favor, uh, land in our favor, that abortion uh, would no longer be available after 15 weeks. And um, many would say that this really gets at the heart of Roe v. Wade, which allows us to go to that place of dreaming about Roe v. Wade and a a post-Roe v. Wade world. And just kind of for our listeners, um, thinking back for me in history, I started in the pregnancy help community work uh, back in like 1983, 84, a long time ago got involved as a social worker and um, had really on my heart that, gosh, if we really work really hard at this, we make a run for this, um, then we will be finished with the abortion issue. We'll be able to help women and not deal with abortion. Um, And that was kind of like a pipe dream. Um, As time went on, we knew this was more of a marathon. And so it's really been an honor for me to be so involved all these years and wear different hats in the pregnancy help community, but always looking at the service side. So while we would say in pregnancy help world, we're not interested in politics, but politics is certainly interested in us. And when it comes to legislation, laws, certainly those things affect um, our work. That's a little bit of my background in um, and kind of watching things through decades now. I have to say decades. Yeah. Um, so what's your story, Beth? So I got involved in the pregnancy help community right out of college, kind of mid-marathon, if I think about it in that perspective, and um, started as a, an executive director of a group of centers, and after about 10 years, came into my position at Heartbeat, uh, spent time Uh, helping to grow and develop Heartbeat Services, worked with uh, another organization that served pregnancy centers, did a lot of on-site consulting and training around the world over those years, and um, have landed back in Heartbeat headquarters. Yay. Yay. (laughs) And, um, you know, when I think about the marathon, I... It was the early 90s when I really was um, first involved, and I knew that we were in the long battle. And the idea of not having to deal with abortion wasn't really realistic for me at that mm-hmm. point. I knew it was we were going to be in this for a long haul. So, yeah, that's kind of my background. So we're, we're long haulers. That has lots of, lots of meaning in our culture today. <laughs> 
let's talk a little bit when we think about um, the Dobbs case. So whatever the outcome is of the Dobbs case, we know that women are still going to need pregnancy centers. In fact, we may need many more pregnancy centers. We know that they are still going to be, women are still going to be hurting um, in their relationships. They're still going to be struggling with life uh, situations that are very difficult. Uh, They're going to need a listening ear. They're going to need answers uh, to some of their life situations. They're going to need encouraging words from us, a hand to hold, hope for their hearts, uh, people who speak truth and love. Those are some of the things that we know. That doesn't really change, does it? And and we have some words that we like to use to describe some of the things that I just did. And I'll turn that over to you so you can share a little bit more about what, in, in one sense, this is so important because lives will be saved, but our work continues. So maybe share a little bit about that. Yeah, not, not only does it continue, but I think in a pro- post-Roe world, um, it needs to even be a stronger community um, as we anticipate this happening. All of those things that you mentioned, all of the ways that we serve clients with care and competence uh, just need to be fortified in every way so that we're able to do that, you know, above reproach. And that is, of course, what we're doing now. But when you think about um, more women, um, more need, Uh, You know, it's not a business as usual, but it is a business as usual, if you think about it, with excellence. And so everything that we can do to really strengthen um, how we serve clients is um, should be on our radar, needs to be on our radar, and why we're talking about this at this point. Now, I remember um, early on, we would see stories in the news. They would talk about, um, at the time, they called them crisis pregnancy centers, uh, we tend to call them pregnancy resource centers, pregnancy medical clinics. Um, they would, they being some of the secular uh, media, would tell um, stories about pregnancy centers, not very on target. Um, some of them pretty, pretty rough. And I would say that as we get closer and closer to a case like Dobbs, we are seeing more and more. Um, pretty, not just harsh, but blatant lies about the work that we do in pregnancy help, whether that's about chemical abortion and the abortion pill reversal, or just about the services of a a pregnancy center. So we are living in a culture that lies about us and that lies to women about abortion. And that in and of itself has me tuned into, I know it's true for you, of us being aware of what those lies are and being able to, in one sense, combat those lies with the truth, but to do it in a specific kind of way, Uh, kind being one of those words. We need to be kind. We need to practice the love approach. And um, one of the things that I think about is over the years, we have learned more and more to make sure that pregnancy center key staff have the opportunity to learn really about apologetics, Uh, not to necessarily be the experts in apologetics, but to really understand why we are pro-life and to be able to have those conversations. And those are conversations, not debates. 
uh, but to be equipped for that. And so that's one of the things that we've seen, that we've been learning, that's growing. We offer that kind of training through our academy. We offer that kind of training at conferences. And so when I think about a post-Roe world, and I think about the lies that have been heaped upon us now, and just the battle that continues, how important it is for us to be equipped. And it's, again, not just for the purposes of discussion, but to really be discipled in our pro-life views. And um, I kind of go back to thinking about a volunteer in a pregnancy center where I served who uh, came with some real hurts and was walking through healing, but got to a place where she said to me, the stories are just so hard, it's so difficult that I, I can't fault this woman for, for thinking about having an abortion. And, and, and I even had a moment where I thought maybe that's what she should do. And, and that was cause for us to really stop, slow down, to really talk and to deal with her stuff. And that's another thing that I'm realizing is we're bringing people in, whether that's an employee or a volunteer, how important it is to really help disciple your staff um, in pro-life. So what would you add to that, Beth? Yeah, it makes me think about um, athletics. Uh, you know, even the professional, well-trained, well-developed athlete will tell you that if they're, you know, preparing for something new or a new challenge or they want to develop their skill further, what they do is go back to the basics, right? Basic skills. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, back to the foundation of why we do what we do and our own convictions, our own beliefs, and that we're operating out of those beliefs, because truly it is not hard to be swayed when you hear the circumstances of people's lives and the tragedy sometimes of their situation. And those with a mercy gift and those with compassion, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh my goodness, that's a, you know, you, that's a legitimate situation. I understand that, but it's that foundation. It's that being grounded in what you know and what you believe that's going to cause you not to go down that route with that client or even the person that you're talking to in general conversation. And uh, I do remember. Um, in my early days, it was that my understanding of the sanctity of life really helping me to form, this is really why I do what I do, and remembering that on a regular basis, um, because it is that foundation that, that causes you or allows you to be able to stay strong, stay solid and firm in uh, the way that you minister. That's good. That's good. I, I, I think the Pregnancy Center... We have been there for her, that woman, in the midst of a decision. We allow her to slow down. We allow her to think. We allow her to process. And um, all the more, again, in a post-row world, those are things that we'll still be doing to help her in her situation. Um, I started thinking about, like, what's the checklist? What's the checklist that we have for uh, pregnancy help organizations? And thinking about a, a post-row world, and I, uh, I automatically think of, um, you know, the shepherd. The shepherd should know the condition of the flock, and we certainly want to continue to equip our key leaders and, and for key leaders, for, for pregnancy help organizations to equip their key staff, that pro-life kind of discipleship of, of the core of why do we do 
you know, what, why we do what we do. Um, to continually understand the times and the pressure, uh, understanding our culture. Uh, those are certainly key things that we need to be tuned into. Uh, we follow the love approach here at Heartbeat International. We teach that. So many organizations out there use the love approach. Would you go ahead, Beth, and explain L-O-V-E for yes. our listeners? Yeah, those steps break down in that L stands for listen and learn. Uh, which is really the key foundation of the love approach, allowing that woman to tell her story, to share her truth, and to listen as she does that and learn all about her. I mean, essentially becoming a student of who she is. And then that takes us into the O-step, which is open options. And that is our opportunity to show her not only when does she have options, because often she'll vocalize, I have no choice, I have no choice. And so we can show her that she does have options and that there are ways uh, that those options will take her, either towards danger or to, towards opportunity, so helping her to discern those as well. That moves us to the V-step, which is vision and value. That's the idea of helping the client to see something that maybe she's never seen before or to help her see it differently. You know, often circumstances can cloud our vision, so helping her to really see something that's going to help her make the best decision for her. And then the second part of the V-step is value, helping her to understand that she's a valuable person that is worthy of that vision. And then that leads to the E-step, which is extend and empower. And that's really the practical step of all of the three being walked out uh, with support and help. You know, essentially what we do in pregnancy help centers individually with a plan for every client. So when we think of a checklist of things that we should be doing now that we know will be key in a, in a post-row world, it really is understanding the condition of your flock, training them in things like the love approach, um, equipping your team, understanding the culture and the pressures, um, understanding, again, kind of the apologetics, having some of that in your background, looking at where she is. Right. Uh, I know that we have really grown into where do we need to be in social media? Where is she? She's on her phone. She's in school. So we need to be in those places. And so always evaluating, always looking at our reach. And certainly we live in a, in a time when that's become difficult, um, when ads are being uh, cut off and you have to fight. Uh, so there's certainly skills uh, to be learned in not only how to um, really advertise and to talk to her, but sometimes how to fight with uh, perhaps systems that are trying to shut you down. Um, so we know that those are pretty key things. And I think another one I would I would suggest for people to do is evaluate um, how well you work with others. And that would be perhaps other uh, centers, other medical clinics in your area, maternity homes, sidewalk counselors. There's great opportunity and those are relationships that we need to build. I know Darrell likes to say, you know, we're better together. And that's true. We are. And we, we need each other. And we really can be such a gift to one another. Um, I, I love, I know we've said it. I don't, we, I don't know that we've ever found the source of that quote that is um, the best alternative to abortion is another person. It is really all about relationship. And so that continues on. Uh, we we want to be that for her. We need to be that for each other as well in the movement. Um, when I think about the attacks, 
for lack of a better word, um, when people come at us or when even a donor might question or or we've even had a client question, hey, I read this about about a pregnancy center and, and I should or shouldn't uh, get connected to you. Uh, one of the resources that I know we have available is PregnancyCenterTruth.com. So that's a great one for, um, for folks to be aware of, and we're continually adding to that as well. Uh, so those would be some of the kind of the checklist of things that I would think of for evaluating, for um, finding a plan, developing a plan to really increase your skills, to make use of the resources that are out there. I know Jarrell uh, did a white paper, and he talked about uh, the goal for the next 50 years of pregnancy help, and his focus was on really more people, more places, more paths, uh, the methodology, how she finds us, uh, the the brick and mortar, you know, the online, all of those things. We know we need more of those. Um, so that's kind of my quick checklist. I don't know, if, is there anything else you would add to that list, Beth? Yeah, you know, the thing that comes to mind, and I know this is just um, top of mind for you as well, and who you are, but is the idea of undergirding all of that with a strong prayer um, effort. And so, you know, we do believe there, you know, we're better together. So praying together as a staff, as part of training and as part of developing our culture is a, you know, is a given. That's something we need to be committed to. And then including the efforts of others to pray with us and for us. So, good, solid um, prayer partners and really giving time and attention to building those things up and keeping our prayer partners informed Mm -hmm. so they can pray intelligently and getting feedback from them as they pray and things they may be sensing um, or feeling strongly about that we can pray further into uh, as our team. So, the prayer part of that. And, you know, when I think about, again, um, the love approach and it being about relationships, it reminds me of the overflow principle. So it's the idea of you can't give something that you don't have, right? So you allow the Lord to pour into you so that the pouring out becomes something that's an overflow. It's not something you have to work up. It's not something that you have to strive for. It just happens naturally. And again, that's who we are in the pregnancy help community. But I think intentionality towards that is even going to strengthen that more, build that more. That's great. And I would add one last piece to this. Um, And that would be uh, to ask how you celebrate. Because, Because in the midst of our very difficult work, there are so many things to celebrate. Whether it we get to see that child, um, that woman who is considering abortion, and now she has this beautiful child, and some of those uh, women go on to have really great testimonies that we get to see. I mean, there probably are lots of them. We just don't get to see all of them. Um, and so I think it's it's important that we that we, as we pray, as we do battle, that we do take time to celebrate. and And I was thinking, um, just recently, we know of a situation where this is in the state of Texas, right? They have the heartbeat bill that was passed in Texas. And in a pregnancy center, um, a woman came in and had her ultrasound. And sure enough, there was that heartbeat, clear, strong. And um, so they basically shared that with with the woman. And what they found interesting was that she came in thinking abortion. And after she heard the heartbeat, her response was, she was so grateful that now she didn't have to make that decision. It was made for her, and she was actually quite excited. 
Um, and to me, that that that's something to celebrate. Um, and that's what that woman was looking for. And it just made me think, well, how many how many others, you know, would really in their hearts, because they women know in their heart of hearts um, that this is a child. And so we need to take every opportunity to celebrate not only God's goodness, but in the midst of how God uses us and steps that move forward. And even situations where a woman may choose an abortion and she ends up coming back and goes to that pregnancy center for healing, there's there's a place for celebration because now she's on a path for restoration. Right. And so, um, so I would add that to our list of celebration. Yeah, it's a great one. It's a great biblical principle, right? Mm-hmm. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And, you know, we've had to do our share of weeping over the years, but I, I love that emphasis of the idea of celebrating and rejoicing in what we see happening. So we'll continue to dream of a post-Row world. Uh, it would be amazing for us to be able to see that, and we would certainly celebrate that. And with that, knowing that it means more of us, not less of us in what we do in pregnancy help. So with that, um, we are so grateful for folks joining us today. And we'll turn it back over to you, Christine. Thanks. And thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode today. Uh, Check out the description for links and other notes that they mentioned today, uh, resources that you can get to. And if you have not subscribed yet, please check out www.heartbeatinternational.org slash podcast so that you never miss an episode. And feel free to share that link with others so they can check out these episodes too. Thanks and have a great and blessed rest of your day.